Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. When asked what we treasure most, people readily respond with one word relationships. Our friends, families, and romantic partners enrich our lives in a myriad of ways, providing encouragement, support, affection, and joy. Except when they don't. When our relationships are in crisis, our life is in crisis. And when they're thriving, we thrive. As Tony Robbins puts it, the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships. So why is it such a struggle to maintain healthy and meaningful intimacy in our lives? Well, for one, relationships don't come with an owner's manual. We have to rely on what we observe. As we grow up, we watch the adults around us and unwittingly absorb their patterns and tendencies. We assume everyone behaves as they do because we have nothing else to compare it to. Naturally, some of us had exemplary models and others of us, well, not so much. But regardless, most of us could use a little help. So in efforts to cultivate and sustain healthy relationships, let's examine three practices to strengthen our most important connections, friendships, family relationships, and significant others. We'll provide a hack for each, a principle that's easy to remember and guaranteed to improve your relationship in a profound way. We'll start with friendships right after this. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Relationship hack for friendships? Examine your expectations. We're going to be best friends forever. No matter what happens, we'll stay close. You're my girl and nothing will change that. We said it. We meant it. So what happened? Life happened. Simple as that. After college, you moved to different parts of the country. She started grad school and you landed your dream job. Now she's studying for exams and conducting research while you're attending networking events and hoping for a promotion. Or maybe she got married and you're still single. Or her second baby is due in March and you're considering IVF because after two years, the stork still hasn't shown up. You used to have everything in common, but not now. Life happens. 
and it gets in the way of even the closest friendships. And it hurts. A lot. But we can stay close. It is possible if we implement this relationship hack. Examine our expectations. Things change and friendships change. But change doesn't mean your bestie doesn't care about you anymore. She cares about you and always will, just as you care about her. But at the moment, you have different priorities. Life has moved you in different directions, but you're still the same people. So, as her BFF, the most loving thing you can do is adjust your expectations. Okay, but how? Well, for one, we can recognize that just because she can't spend as much time with you, she still loves you. So cut her some slack when she can't make it to girls' night out because she's chasing after a toddler and her husband is away on business. Recognize that she needs to focus on other pursuits in this season. Her career, relationship, or children. But again, she still loves you. So don't guilt trip her for missing your annual Christmas shopping excursion because her in-laws are in town and she had to hang out with them. And recognize that more than likely, your lives will eventually come together again. You'll be in the same stage and your priorities will align once more. So don't badmouth her to the rest of your squad, complaining about how much she's disappointed you and you can't believe your friendship ended up this way. Because remember, she still loves you, and your friendship hasn't ended. Once you get through this season, you'll be close again. So until then, give her a little grace and adjust your expectations. Some of you who've been listening for a while may remember my conversation with my bestie, my college roommate, Miriam. Miriam got married our senior year, and you guys know I was single forever. So we went in such different directions. She moved back to Ohio. I was in Chicago. All those years of not being in the same season for a long, long time. So both of us had to adjust our expectations. And both of us had to remember that even though in the current season, there was a ton of distance between us, that we still loved each other deeply. And we kept making those connections and trying to build the bridge so that that chasm wouldn't be so enormous and that we could maintain our closeness, although it looked different than it did when we were roommates in college, obviously, but maintain that closeness and weather that season. So if you want to hear that story, we talk about that in depth in episode seven called Besties Forever. That's what we all say. But when life changes, how do we preserve our friendships? It was real talk between besties and, spoiler alert, we didn't script it. So there were times when we were still learning about that season and the times when she felt left out and I felt left out. And both of us, as I noted in the hack, needed to adjust our expectations. And before we move on, I got to bring in some research, of course, to talk about why it's worth it to adjust our expectations and why it's worth it to try to preserve our friendships even during those seasons when we feel that disconnect and we feel that chasm between us. 
So let's take a look at the research on female friendships. Psychologists who study social support find that female friendships possess unique qualities distinct from other relationships in our lives. In fact, our BFFs not only contribute to our emotional health, but to our physical health as well. Studies show that loneliness is related to high blood pressure. So our connections to our besties actually keep us physiologically balanced. Another study found that when placed in stressful situations, holding a friend's hand reduces the neurological signs of stress. Our squad can even help us fight cancer. A 2013 study in breast cancer research and treatment found that women with 10 close girlfriends were four times less likely to die than women who reported having no friends. Finally, a meta-analysis of 148 studies concluded that those with close friends live longer. In fact, social isolation is considered as risky to our health as smoking, alcoholism, and obesity. So clearly, our besties make a big difference in our lives. And therefore, weathering those seasons when we're not aligned in terms of our lifestyle, it's totally worth it. Next, let's talk about family relationships. One of my favorite topics. Some of you may know that my dissertation was based on family systems theory and therapy. I looked at individuation from family of origin and identity development in college students. Family systems theory gave us the term boundaries, which is something I know many of you are familiar with. And in fact, I spoke with Dr. Jamie Zuckerman about boundaries in episode 111. That was actually one of your favorite podcast episodes. It's one of the most popular because I think we all recognize that we could use a little work with boundaries from time to time. And as a matter of fact, that is the hack for family relationships. Examine your boundaries. Every family has unwritten rules and assumptions about how its members should relate to one another. Beliefs surrounding connectedness and separateness constitute what psychologists call boundaries. A family's boundaries determine the, quote, rules regarding closeness, frequency of contact, and conversation. For example, which topics are considered appropriate to discuss and which are off limits. As we grow up, we learn the nuances of our particular family dynamics and consider them normal. But some dynamics, although they feel normal to family members, are not at all healthy. One of the most common and least healthy dynamics is enmeshment. In enmeshed families, closeness is equated with love. The unwritten family rule is, you must be close to me to show you love me. For example, in some families, adult children are expected to live near their parents those who move across the country, or even just across town, to pursue a fantastic job opportunity, or because they've always dreamed of living in a particular city. They're perceived as being unloving and betraying the family. The family's requirement for proximity stifles the adult child's growth and development. In other families, the expectation of closeness involves communication, 
Family members discuss everything, and any unwillingness to share is perceived as distancing and rejection. This obligation invades members' privacy and often negatively impacts their other adult relationships, especially with significant others and spouses, because the expectation is their primary allegiance will remain to their family of origin. Finding a balance between remaining close to our family while also enjoying our adult independence is possible if we implement this relationship hack. Examine our boundaries. The reality is you're an adult now and setting boundaries is healthy and mature and it's not a betrayal of your family. Depending on the way your family functions, setting boundaries may be a relatively simple task or it may prove very difficult. Regardless, it's a wise step to take and everyone in the family will be better off for it. You're actually doing your entire family a favor. More on that in just a moment. For a little encouragement in terms of boundary setting, recognize that you'll feel awkward and maybe even guilty when first establishing boundaries. But of course, so often the uncomfortable things we do are the right things to do. Also remember, we can love our families dearly and still maintain a private life. And in fact, once we're married, our primary obligation is to the family we've created. So for allowing our parents, siblings, or in-laws to pull us away from our spouse and children, we're violating our marital vows. And as I said before, by establishing boundaries, you're actually giving your family members a gift. You're letting them know you're capable of managing your own life. They can go back to managing theirs. With boundaries in place, you're free to interact on an adult-adult level. And family members become true friends. You enjoy each other's company because you want to spend time together as opposed to feeling obligated just because you're family. So I mentioned how you establishing boundaries with your family is a gift to your entire family. Let's take a little bit deeper look into how that works by looking at a construct called triangulation. So another great way to establish boundaries within family relationships is to refuse to engage in triangulation. Triangulation is the tendency for family members to involve a third party in dynamics that actually pertain to two members. It's very common and very unhealthy. To provide an example of triangulation, consider the following. Let's say mom begins to confide in her adult daughter, Stacy, about her frustrations with her marriage. Since Stacy is 28, Mom has begun to view her as both daughter and friend, which is okay, and now wants to share intimate details of her marriage to Stacy's father, which is not okay. Why isn't this okay? Because it's a violation of several family boundaries, and it places Stacy in an awkward and potentially destructive 
position. Stacy's relationship with her father is now tainted by the information her mother has disclosed. This might impact not only Stacy's perception of her dad, but it could also affect the way she views the men she dates, or men in general. Her parents' marriage is not something she can possibly fix, nor is it, frankly, her problem. To bring back a healthy dynamic to this scenario, Stacy needs to exit the triangulation, stat. The next time mom calls to gripe about Stacy's dad, Stacy should politely say, Mom, I love you, and I'm so sorry you're having problems with dad. I always want to support you whenever I can. But when it comes to your marriage, I can't be helpful because it's just not my place. I need to cultivate a healthy relationship as an adult daughter to both you and dad. Hearing your dissatisfaction with the way dad treats you affects my perception of him. And that's not healthy for me. I hope you can understand. So Stacy's likely going to feel some guilt, which is misplaced, but she may feel it nonetheless. And mom will likely push back with something like, but honey, who can I talk to about this stuff? No one else knows dad like you do. Stacy is going to need to stand firm and suggest that her mother talk to her friends or go to a counselor. It's not easy, but it is possible. And doing so elevates the family's emotional health, everyone's emotional health. Because really, mom and dad need to talk this out. If Stacy extricates herself from the conversation, there's a stronger chance her mother will take her concerns to the one person who can actually do something about it, her husband. But here's the deal. In some families, almost every conversation involves triangulation to some degree. Efforts to de-triangulate beg the question, what will we talk about if we don't talk about each other? The answer is anything. Talk about virtually anything. The weather, the last movie you saw, the Real Housewives of New York. Anything is fair game except conversations about other family members. So as I mentioned, for more support on this, check out episode 111 with Dr. Jamie Zuckerman about boundaries and also episode 109 with Mary Beth Somage. In this episode, we talk about another realm of family systems dynamics, enmeshment and differentiation. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, will target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, will learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood, will identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals, and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. And now, the love and life hack for leveling up your relationship with your significant other. 
examine yourself. Robert Holden, PhD, sums it up succinctly. Your relationship with yourself sets the tone for every other relationship in your life. It may seem counterintuitive, but the most effective approach to improving your relationship with your significant other is to focus on yourself. Why? Because if we fail to take care of our own emotional well-being, we begin to look to our partner for fulfillment, which is when you think about it, pretty unfair and unloving. Because happiness is an inside job. When we look to our partner to make us happy, we approach the relationship from a position of need. I need you in order to be happy. This not only puts an unrealistic burden on our partner, because let's be honest, No one can make anyone else happy. We also hand over our power to our partner. Sociologists speak of the law of least interest. Whoever is least interested in maintaining a relationship has the most power. If we need our partner for fulfillment and contentment, we're less likely to leave even when we should. We'll stay because we're needy. Conversely, if we take care of our own emotional needs and create our own happiness, we approach our relationship from a position of desire, meaning I'm perfectly happy on my own. But I want to be with you. You and your partner will walk hand in hand as two independent, fulfilled individuals who choose to do life together. Our romantic relationships thrive when we implement this relationship hack, when we examine ourselves. We can't change anyone except ourselves. Our thoughts and behaviors are the only things we can actually control in this life. But the beauty is, oftentimes, when we change, others respond and make alterations as well. So, the most loving thing you can do for your partner is to examine yourself. Recognize that your partner loves and adores you, but cannot make you happy. Recognize that it's your job to work out any insecurities you experience in the relationship through self-help books, therapy, your relationship with God, this podcast, or if you realize your partner truly is untrustworthy, well then you're with the wrong person. And it's time to leave. Recognize that happily ever after starts with two happy people. This one can be a little bit harder for a lot of us. People say things like, isn't my partner supposed to make me happy? Isn't that the whole point? 
And doesn't the research on social support show that people with strong relationship networks function better in all realms of life? Yes, our relationships contribute to our overall well-being. But in terms of happiness, the data indicate we have a happiness baseline that remains fairly constant despite changes in relationship status. In fact, a recent research project examined results from 18 longitudinal studies and found that levels of happiness did not vary before and after marriage. People remain as happy or unhappy as they've always been. And even the magic of marriage does not affect this baseline. Another result from this study revealed some discouraging news. Our satisfaction with our spouse decreases after the wedding. And this trajectory continues throughout the lifespan. But there is a positive takeaway. This research demonstrates that our happiness is ultimately in our hands, as we've been saying. We can choose to get happy now, whether we're single, married, divorced, or in between. We're in control. We are in control of our happiness. To wrap it up, we all want meaningful, gratifying connections to others. Moreover, research substantiates the importance of healthy relationships for our overall well-being. Relationships are incredibly complex and nuanced, but we can learn to make sense of them by implementing the hacks we've talked about today. When we examine our expectations, boundaries, and ourselves, we'll witness profound improvements in relationships with friends, family, and partners. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. The Love and Life hack for this week is examine your expectations with friends. Examine your boundaries with family and examine yourself with your partner. Thank you as always for sharing a portion of your day with me. If you want to connect further, be sure to head over to loveandlifemedia.com and subscribe to my newsletter list. You'll get a free empowered dating playbook as a thank you. This episode was an article that I wrote called Love Smarter, Not Harder, Three Love and Life Hacks to Improve Every Relationship in Your Life. If you'd like to have a digital copy of this article, stay tuned. There's going to be a way for you to receive that and also ask me questions directly via text. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen anderson Averill. And until next time, make it a great week.
Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.